And this is why the customer funded business model is so powerful and has led to some of the biggest unicorn companies of our time is because it's driven by the market and market is king. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe is best. I don't care how many dreams you had or you're like, oh, I prayed about this. Like the market is what determines what actually succeeds. Right. You know, Facebook wasn't started because someone prayed. (laughs) It was like it was literally followed the science of business. And this is why a lot of things that have no kingdom value succeed because there is a science to it. What if you could start your ministry, your missional business, with zero dollars in your pockets? Do you think that's possible? I want to introduce you to the zero dollar startup, or we can call it the customer funded business model. And yes, there is a science to it. There's a protocol you can follow. So let's figure that out together. What is the zero dollar startup? How does it work? The zero dollar startup is essentially a concept that teaches us as entrepreneurs to not allow the dreams and the problems that we want to solve to be held back by lack of capital. It's the whole idea that I can actually build something substantial that somebody wants to invest in with no money. So literally to start a business with zero money in your pocket. Wow. Now, um, Since we're talking about this topic, you probably have some advice, something to share. Probably there's a story behind it as well. Can can you can you tell us um, how was it for you? Uh, You are a serial entrepreneur. You have started multiple ministries and businesses, um, and uh, you've been involved a lot with with different projects in your life. Um, uh, How how did how did this concept look for you? What did you do with this this zero dollar startup concept? You know, initially when I first got in, it it really was something I thought was kind of irrational. Like I always heard the phrase that I'm sure most people hear, which is in order to make money, you need money. And that's what most people are told. Like you got to spend money if you want to make money and you need money if you want to make more money. And then we say, oh, the rich just get richer. Right. And it's the people who have money that start all these businesses. The stories that people don't tell you are Jeff Bezos sleep, you know, leaving his job in Seattle They don't tell you about the guy who invented the snowboard going up to Vermont, trying to pedal it out of the trunk of his car and his wife is about to leave him. Um, They don't tell you about Angie's, you know, popcorn and basically how they were selling at Minnesota Vikings games and making no money, literally no money, Um, and eventually got bought out by a venture capitalist and now is a multimillion dollar brand. So a lot of times in our minds, we believe I need money. I need a backer. I need whatever in order to get started. I began reading a book um, by, I believe his name is Richard Mullins. Uh, He used to be a professor in England, and he wrote a book called uh, The Customer Funded Business Model. And essentially, he was interviewing all these entrepreneurs in India and these poor countries who were starting these crazy, wildly successful businesses. And he was building it off of concepts that he found not only existed in the East, but also in the West, like Bill Gates and Microsoft. And so he started compiling these models and summarizing them into basically five different models. And so the zero dollar startup concept for me 
really began when I left doing, you know, donor dependent type ministries and businesses. Oh, I need a donor. Oh, I need an investor. And about, um, I really went headfirst into this um, when I started my my consulting firm, Fiat Luke's, my design agency, um, about three years ago. And people were encouraging me to do it, but I was like, I don't have the money. I don't have the marketing, whatever, whatever. And so I decided, you know what? I read the book and I'm like, nope, we're going to do a customer funded business model. We're going to start this thing with no money. All I had was a free um, a Zoom account. That's all I had. And I was like, I'm going to start an online mentorship program. And so I, I basically put together a slide deck with some free slide software. Um, I had a free 45 minute account. So all my mentorship sessions were 45 minutes or less. So if you didn't, if you went over, it just literally cut you off. Um, so I never went over. I did a presentation. I put out some stuff on social media and people, uh, the first, first week I put it out there, I went from zero money to um, $2,000 in revenue a month. And then after I got those subscriptions, I started investing. I got a, an administrator, uh, hired her to handle all the admin stuff so then I could focus on mentorship, building up the program, started traveling, advertising, set it up through Patreon. So I only paid if I got paid. So they take fees after I collect. So I didn't have to set up a Stripe or any of these type of accounts. It handled all the subscription, all the advertising and a website all in one place. Um, and so I, I did that and boom, before I knew it, COVID happened the following spring. Um, it was becoming a thing in that March, 2020. Um, and my revenue literally shot through the roof. My corporate wellness business shut down because it was, it was a brick and mortar type business. I had to go to corporations to do it. Well, there's no corporate wellness in COVID. So <laughs> here I had this side business of mentorship online that I started with no money. And literally it went from that. And within three months, we were at about 15, 20,000 in revenue a month. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's that's amazing to hear. Now, before we talk about the different um, methods, how you can charge or how can uh, how you can basically interact with a customer so that the customer gives you money, uh, I just want to ask again. Um, yep. How did it? How did it look like for you? I mean, it sounds now very easy that you um that you just set up the Zoom account and then suddenly you had money in your bank account. But uh, um, <laughs> what were the struggles that that kind of came came in? You know, as as you were starting this, um, you know, well, the first couple of months. That's a good. That's a great question. So the first thing is you have to get over your own mental struggles and belief that people will pay you with very minimal things, right? We assume I have to have an office, I have to have a website, I have to have a logo and color, brand colors, and you got to be legit. You got to have a business phone number and an email and a business card. That was the first thing I had to overcome. It literally took me six months to overcome that. Wow. I actually had the idea to start the consultancy February 2019. Um, but it literally took me until September that year to actually pull the trigger and say, okay, try it. And once I got over the shame, the possibility of failure, this is not going to work. I set myself up. It's a waste of time. The second thing I had to overcome was to believe that I had enough value, right, to offer people, even though I put zero money in. You also have the guilt, right? Some people have guilt asking people for money and they're like, man, I just made this thing in my garage and... <laughs> pull this thing together and people are not going to pay me money. So a lot of it is really internal. 
external challenges really come in the form of finding the right customers. Because sometimes we, we have this issue where we want to chase customers. Hmm. And it's like any person who gives us criticism, well, you don't have a website, like what kind of business is this, right? And then we're like, oh man, you know, that person would have signed up. I could have made $34, right? If I would have just had a website that cost me $1,000, like it doesn't make any sense. But at the time, we take that criticism so personally. Wow. And we feel like we're missing customers. We're losing out on revenue and money that we could be making because we didn't have it. And I realized that I had to learn that a customer funded business model has to be driven by the right customers. The last point is you have to have the right business model. It wouldn't make sense for me to, for example, set up an online mentorship program that had a scarcity model, right? Which is the model that Zara follows. And that model is basically, we produce 100 dresses that look exactly like a Louis Vuitton dress, but it's $100. And when they sell out, that's it. There are no more. And their whole point is, is that they quickly design it, quickly get it out. People buy it and they use that to cover the costs that they have to pay within 90 days. So they sell it out in 60 because they do a you know, payment in 90 days. And so that scarcity model doesn't make sense for a mentorship program. Hey, I only have 10 slots and I'm only doing, you know, 50 minutes of mentorship this month. Like that doesn't work. <laughs> um, maybe it'd be interesting, but it doesn't work. People are not attracted to that. Um, and so finding the right customer funded model and zero startup revenue model was also a challenge for me. And I played around with different ideas. Um, and I had to really not allow the failures I faced and the setbacks I went through to be signs of discouragement, right? I had to take the Alexander Graham Bell. Like I just figured out a thousand ways that won't work, um, but not be discouraged by that. And so I think those are some of the challenges I faced in the, in the beginning. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that so openly. Now, you've already mentioned different models. Well, let's talk about those business models right now. When you start with literally $0 and you have an idea, you have a problem that you want to solve, um, what options do you have? So similar to the subscription-based model is the what we call the pay-in-advance model. And this is really made popular by airlines and Amazon. So... When you think about it, right, you pay Amazon money and your package doesn't arrive for three days. So the whole ingeniousness of Amazon was, I don't actually have to pay for the shipping. You're paying for the shipping. And it's built into the product. And I have the money before I have to pay the post office to ship the product out. And so this whole concept of e-commerce, which Bezos understood, was something that was up and coming when he initially started Amazon. They were just selling textbooks and books. That's what it was. It was a bookstore. It eventually became an online store and e-commerce blew up because he struck that reality. People will pay you in advance for something they get later on, which means I have what's called a, um, a, a sort of like, I'm trying to think of the exact term of how I would describe this, but essentially there's assume, right, that when you go to the, the, the grocery store, the moment you pay the money for the bread, you get the bread the same day. Imagine went to the grocery store, you paid the $5, but you don't get the bread for three days because they're like, I got to bake it. <laughs> and you're kind of like, what? And, and the distance between the delivery of the product and when you pay is called a cash conversion. So how soon do I need the cash in order to do what I need to do for you as a customer? 
And the great thing was with Amazon is he would have a week, six days of a negative cash conversion. He had the money six days before he needed to spend it. And so when you start getting to bigger and bigger models, right, like Amazon Prime subscription, I pay $100 a year for shipping. He gets enough people to pay him for shipping for the year, and they haven't even ordered a product to get free two-day shipping. So again, now his cash conversion is like 60 days, 90 days, 180 days. Um, and that's the pay in advance model. Another model is the service to product model. And what this model is, is what Bill Gates did when, you know, him and Paul Allen basically created Microsoft Word, Microsoft PowerPoint, um, and Microsoft Excel. What most people don't know is that they were paid as developers to build that for a particular um, client. It was a service to them. So they said, all right, we want you to build us software that we can use as a company to give presentations, to check da 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 da, and to create documents. So they created Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, and Microsoft PowerPoint. What we know now is those things. Now, when they built it, they got to keep what they built, right? They, they built it for them, but they're like, wait, we could actually package this as a product to other people. But they didn't pay to build it. Someone else paid them to build it. And so sometimes you can do a service, right? Let's say someone says, hey, Vincent, I'm going to sponsor you to write a book. Now you wrote the book or you recorded a series of presentations that was sponsored by them. They paid for it. So it costs you no money. Now you have it. You can say, okay, I can market it in this way and this way and this way. And I didn't even pay to build it. Someone else paid me to do it. So it's called a service to product model. Um, and this is something that a lot of people underutilize. I'm like, before you start your business, see if someone be willing to pay you to do the service yourself. And I have a, um, a young man who I met who um, he was challenged to come up with a construction business. And he was going out to observe and he noticed that construction sites are super messy. And so he printed off a flyer, literally. Microsoft, whatever it was, made a little flyer, will clean your construction area, had a broom, a dustpan, a mop, some gloves, and like a couple spray bottles. That's literally all he had in his trunk. Showed up to the construction site, said, look, I'll clean everything. Um, this is my price. So someone paid him to do it. Once they paid him to do it, that's how he came up with the business which is why he ended up printing out the flyer and then going to other construction sites. So someone paid him to do the service that gave him the money to get the broom, get the gloves, get everything because they paid him to do it. Now he took that service for one client and turned it into a product. And I mean, within six months, he, he had uh, 40 employees working for him Wow! and cleaning multiple sites and had long-term contracts, cleaning construction sites in homes, construction in commercial buildings, the whole nine. That's, that's awesome to hear. We're going to take a short break right now and be right back. And we'll uh, learn more details about the $0 startup and how you can uh, use these powerful methods for your own ministry and business. So stay with us. Hive is your number one platform for missional entrepreneurship. Start, grow, and scale your faith-based business with us day by day. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just look for Hive INT. That's Hive International, Hive I-N-T. 
Let's change this world and the world to come together. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Hive Podcast, and I'm here with Sebastian Braxton, and we're talking about the $0 startup method. And we've been looking at a few business models, but one business model, we haven't been mentioning that one to you. Uh, Sebastian, can you share uh, a little bit about what that business model uh, is all about? The, the final one that is probably transformed the way we do life right now is the matchmaker model. And that model is what we find in Uber, what we find in Airbnb, in Turo, um, is another up and coming one where you can borrow somebody's car, like just literally this is where it is, pick it up, drive it, and then park it. Someone else picks it up uh, for a certain period of time. So a matchmaker model is Airbnb doesn't own any real estate, right? Maybe they do now, but when they started, they didn't own any property. And it was two guys who said, hey, their uncle owns some property up in Italy. They said, hey, do you mind if we try this thing out, built a basic website? And they were like, hey, you can rent this house for two weeks. Nice tourist area in Italy. And they charged them for it. And again, they took their uncle's property, that person's money, took a cut of that transaction, paid their uncle. They had a wonderful time. It was way better than a hotel. And they took their piece, reinvested it to continue to build their model and to find other people who were willing to do the same. And like, hey, can you make me some money too on my house? I don't use this house in Italy. And before you know it, we have Airbnb, Uber. And even though Lyft was first before Uber, um, Uber had the, the marketing power behind it um, to get the market share. But ultimately that same model, which is people have cars and asset that they're not utilizing and other people would love to use it. And there was the frustration of taxiing, Right. Which as a person who travels, I totally understood that problem. You arrive in Dubai, you arrive in Singapore or, you know, Jakarta. How do you get to where you're going? Do you know where you're going? Do you speak the language? Do you want to take out your wallet in front of this guy like and pay him as a taxi driver? Solved all those problems. And essentially, you can bring people together to facilitate the exchange and then actually take a piece of that, which is the very heart of the French word entrepreneur. That's where the word really comes from. It's somebody who brings people together in order to exchange a service of value and they just take a piece for facilitating that relationship. So that's really, that matchmaker model is really true to the name entrepreneur in its etymology in terms of where the word comes from. But that's the fifth model. And that one is amazing, right? So for example, I could transition my mentorship business from me providing a serve a pay in advance or a subscription model. And I could say, I'm just going to match make mentors with mentees. And then I just take a piece of the pie. Exactly. And that would be a matchmaker model. It would literally cost me nothing to do it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So very, very minimal money to start it up. So that would be the last one. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, five models. Um, I've already been inspired. Every time I hear this, I'm inspired. I'm thinking about new ideas. I'm thinking about new ministry uh, projects that we could start, right? And I'm sure our listeners are doing the same thing right now. Now, let's transition now into the uh, the practical part. Let's talk a little bit about as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, um, we have a calling, we have uh, work to do, and we have the desire to, uh, to use the talents that we have um, to share the gospel with the world. Now, um, how can we use these methods that you've been mentioning to start new ministries, to get involved, and to, um, to really uh, use the capacity that we have um, in, in our own 
sphere of influence, right? Absolutely. That's a great question, Vincent. I there's so much I can say on this, um, and so I'm I'm just gonna kind of take the approach of like a big brother, right? Because entrepreneurs, ironically, we love to share information. We don't keep secrets to ourselves. We're like, yo, this is how I did it. This is the accountant I used. This is the lawyer I called. Like we share those types of things all the time, um, and we don't feel threatened by that because we know how hard it is, and it's like we want to help the next guy up. So one of the first things I usually tell people to do is take your ministry idea, take your business idea and, you know, write it down on a whiteboard. And then I want you to ask yourself this question. What would it look like if I didn't charge for this product? How could I get this business started if I didn't charge anything, if it was free? And when you start asking that question, it's like, okay, we want to provide, you know, um, hydrotherapy, right, for people right? To help with certain health conditions, as an example. Or I'm a Bible worker, right? I want to offer these Bible studies. But the point is, it has to be sustainable. So you're building a business, but you're not charging. And the value of that is, is why YouTube is free, is because they literally said, how could we create this, which is another matchmaker model, right? Where one user uploads content that another user wants, but we're not charging them for that. So how do we make that sustainable? Oh, we get advertisers who want to advertise to those people who are exchanging the content. And then those people who are really popular become influencers, much more effective than paying an advertisement on the Super Bowl. And so you're like, wow, the conversion rate is near 30, 40 percent on a lot of these influencers. If they advertise your product, it's going to sell. Um, and so the first thing is, how can I offer this thing for free and still make money? And a lot of times the answer to that question is someone else wants access to the audience. So you create an audience and they get access and you get to offer your service. One time when I was a speaker, an up and coming speaker, I used this model. So a credit card company said, Hey, we just want to, um, we see you have an event. I was speaking at a university. Uh, for an, a business organization. And they said, look, we saw the registration is full, right? It was like 700 students. And it was partnership with uh, Future Business Leaders of America. And so they said, hey, Sebastian, you're talking to these high school kids and early college freshmen um, about business. And we saw that your seminar was packed, right? And so we want to partner with you. And if you give a second talk, We'll pay you $5,000 Wow! to give that second talk. And all we ask is at the end, you just tell people in the back that, you know, Capital One is there. If you're interested in applying for a credit card, go ahead and fill out an application. That's literally all I had to do. And for them, that was better and more profitable than paying for an ad on the TV station or a billboard that would have cost them three, four times as much. Um. And they got way more response for the audience that they're going for. And so I made money speaking that I was going to do anyway for free, but the the audience didn't have to pay me. That's right. But I still made $5,000 to give a 45 minute presentation. And so by starting by asking what, how could I offer this for free in a way that someone else would fund, it starts to get you thinking about um, creative ways to implement this type of model in your ministry. The second thing I tell people to do is customer funded business model, a zero dollar startup is a mindset. 
it's not a it's not something that, you know, a lot of people think it's like a genie, you know, rub the lamp and oh yeah, we're going to we're going to do the subscription model. We're going to make millions. We just need a million a million subscriptions, right? And they their eyes start, you know, glowing with dollar symbols and it's like <laughs> that's not how it works. If you have a subscription model, every model caters to the type of product that should be behind it. So, for example, it doesn't make sense for Delta to offer a subscription model to flights unless you fly all the time. And the problem is you're like, well, I'm going to get charged, but I'm not going to. What if I don't fly? That's always the question people have with subscription. And number two, are you always going to be rolling out new flights in new times and new benefits as to why I should keep paying on a subscription model? So if you're not you're not in a position to have a product or a service or a ministry that's going to keep creating new, 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 more and more content, more service, more uh, impact, then you probably don't want to use that model. And so I tell people, try your business, your ministry in every single model. Think of it in every single model. What if it was a matchmaker model? What if it was pay in advance? What if it was subscription? Go through all five and test them out. See what people say. And what happens is you may find that the model you thought was the best is not what the market says is the best. And this is why the customer-funded business model is so powerful and has led to some of the biggest unicorn companies of our time is because it's driven by the market and market is king. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe is best. I don't care how many dreams you had or you're like, oh, I prayed about this. Like the market is what determines what actually succeeds, right? You know, Facebook wasn't started because someone prayed. <laughs> it was like it was literally followed the science of business. Yes, sir. And this is why a lot of things that have no kingdom value succeed mm. because there is a science to it. Wow. Um, and a lot of our things don't succeed because we believe, well, because it's kingdom business, people should just sign up and do it. If you build it, they will come. No, they won't. And you'll be broke. Your donors will get no money out of it, no impact. And you're probably going to be blacklisted forever. And they say, yeah, no, nah, the stuff you do doesn't work. It's just a waste of money. Just burn. I might as well have burned the money. Wow. Um, it would have been no difference. And a lot of that is because we're not doing business the right way. I have one last question. I hope we're not, uh, you know, taking this too far here. But one thing that a lot of people also ask uh, when they start and when they try out these different business models is, Hey, you know, is it really right to, you know, charge money? Uh, I'm talking especially to people who have this traditional ministry model in mind. Uh, they want to be, become sustainable, but they don't really know how. And, um, and, and they, they're kind of afraid to charge something. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any advice, any tips, anything to share about that? Oh, man. We could do a whole episode, Vincent. Like, <laughs> when I started my mentorship program, there were people that were coming for me on Twitter. They're like, why would you charge for mentorship? Like, this should totally be free. Da 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 da. Right? Like, you know, spiritual mentorship. You're helping them, and this. And like, why are you charging? And this, I understand this question, right? I have, I have a heart for that because when I speak, a lot of people say, "What's your fee?" And I say, "I don't charge to preach. I don't charge to speak." But if you want to give, that's on you, right? If you if you feel moved to give, I'll leave that choice to yours. The reason why I started my business is so I don't have to charge you. Um, 
And so my businesses fund my ministry, fund what I'm trying to do. But I understand that's not feasible for everybody, right? Everybody doesn't have a business acumen to start something on the side to fund what they want to do, um, like Paul intent making and things like that. So I have a heart for this question, but it is a gross misunderstanding. And it is a curious um, turning of a blind eye to very clear things in the Bible, right? You, you have things in the Bible that say the laborer is worthy of his hire. You have things in the Bible that say if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. You have the fact that you don't muzzle the ox. You have the fact that in the Old Testament, if you didn't pay a hired laborer the very day that they worked, God was going to curse your fields. So you have the very fact that, listen, God is very serious about the fact that people who work should be compensated. And a lot of times we come in the spirit of self-sacrificial mindset, like, oh, I just, I just want to serve people. I just want to help them be healthy. And I'm like, guess what? If you don't make any money, you will not be doing that ministry for very long. So I'm like, this isn't about, this isn't about how you feel. And this is, again, a shift from the glory of God and the need of the person to yourself. You're dealing with your own internal demons about asking for money. And I'm like, well, you might want to check your motives, check your concern and your attitudes towards money, because money is a tool, just like a building, just like a road, just like a tire, just like a piece of tennis shoes or a basketball. It's a tool. And it's what you use the tool for that makes the difference. God never said money was evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And so if you love the tools, right, then of course you're going to have a problem. As I always tell my kids, a bad workman blames his tools, right? When something doesn't work, oh, this thing is not working. Oh, it's the hammer. It's this. No, money is not the reason. You're blaming your tools because you're a bad workman. And my answer to this is twofold. Number one, do not cheapen what you do by being afraid of people paying you. Because guess what? People come to me, and I have people say that to me, Sebastian, you know, I'm Adventist, can I get a discount? You know, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's funny. When you went to the Apple store and you got your iPhone, did you ask for a discount? <laughs> no, you paid the full price of the iPhone. When you went and bought your Tesla, did you ask for a discount? Mm. No, you got your Tesla, and when you went to JCPenney, you got those khakis. Did you ask for a discount? H&M. No, when you got those ties, you didn't ask for a discount. So I'm like, why is it that we have this mindset that, oh, yeah, you know, because I'm spiritual and because this is a spiritual, it has some spiritual implications to it, that it should be cheap and lowered in value. So number one, don't cheapen it and allow yourself to fall into that mindset that people are like, ah, oh, you know, this isn't worth it. This, shouldn't, this should be free. And what I always tell people is someone is going to pay. It's either going to be you, someone else, or the customer. But someone's got to pay because it ain't free. So people are like, I'm sick of all these commercials on YouTube. Well, someone's got to pay. <laughs> That's right. Someone's paying for the platform. Someone's paying the developers. So you're not paying for so someone else. And guess what? Instead of you paying money, we want your attention. And you're going to watch this commercial and then watch your video. Because we're paying. <laughs> so you will watch it. And if you don't, you have YouTube premium. You pay us money. 
It's $15 a month. You don't have to watch any commercials. And why is that? Because now you're paying. Um, the second thing I always let people know on this question of not being afraid to charge and feeling bad about it. Oh, it's a ministry. I don't ultimately want to make money or get rich. You always have to think about sustainability and you go back to Exodus 18. When Moses was not delegating, when he was not trusting other people, when he was not recognizing the proper leadership model of that, it was his father-in-law that pointed it out to him. And this was a godly man, but even he was mistaken in his administration. So I want you to think about that. This is a man who saw God face to face, who God called to deliver his people. He worked more miracles through Moses than any other person. And he is the greatest Christ figure of the Old Testament. But yet he was making mistakes in administration that his father-in-law, who didn't even have the same level of calling as him, had to point out to him. And listen to, listen to Jethro's advice. He says, you're going to wear out yourself and the people. Wow. So in other words, what's going to happen? You're not going to last and they're going to stop coming to you. That's what's going to happen. So in other words, what is he saying? This ministry will be done. And so we have to recognize, yes, it is a ministry. Yes, it is all of those things. The goal is not to be a billionaire and to build a kingdom on this earth that's going to burn. We all understand that. But you, do, you still need to apply proper principles of administration. Thank you for sharing that. It reminds me of Joseph when uh, his brothers came to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. And guess what Joseph did? He was selling the food to his own Egyptian people that he was a ruler of, right? And even to his own family when they came, right? So there's yep. always this exchange of value that takes place yep. in the Bible. And I think it's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you so much for being here with us today. Now, um, how can we get in touch with you if we want to hear more about the $0 startup or uh, more about just the mentorship program that you provide? Sure. Um, so basically you can follow me on Instagram, agent J Carter. Um, you can also, I'm on Twitter as well. Um, Ancora Impara, which is the words of Michelangelo in his eighties when he said, Hey, you're a great painter. And he said, still learning. Um, <laughs> and also, um, you can follow Fiat Lukes, which is my design company on Instagram as well. And if you want to look into the mentorship program, Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash fiat lukes nc um right now we're completely full and we have a wait list and the funny thing is i raised the prices <laughs> <laughs> so i increased the price and then sold out wow um, and so uh and now we're at the point where people are paying for the year in advance so now people are just saying boom i'm just gonna pay all three four thousand up front crazy um which is crazy um, but again, that's pay in advance, allows you to grow. So yeah, those are some ways that people can get in touch. They can also, you know, obviously message me through you guys or if they want to get in touch. Um, right now, my hands are so full working on a lot of different apps, projects, 
um, and a couple businesses that will probably be launching later this year that I'm super, I'm super geeked about. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Could be revolutionary. Yeah. So wonderful. I, I can't wait to have you back on the show and you tell me more about those businesses. Thank you so much for coming, Sebastian. Sure. And I'm sure our listeners are super excited now to get going and to implement the principles we've talked about. Now you should do that, and um, you should tune in again next Monday. This is the Hive Podcast, and you've been listening to Vincent Bujor and Sebastian Braxton. 